I don't know if you had any idea for uh, like a cold open. So I know last time we needed a theme song. And, we got yeah, a theme song. Don't worry. That'll play. That'll be, that. you know. I thought Maybe it it's playing already. No, that's that's not it. It's not. No. The Douglas Stank Podcast. She turned left on a mire. That's the song we're discussing today on the Douglas Stank Podcast. Track two from our first release. She turned left on a mire. All right, so this is a. This is episode two, probably. You know, we're recording these ahead of time. I don't know if people, uh, whenever these get released, because like I kind of want to uh, get a few of these done before I release them, because I don't want to be the kind of podcast where like episode one comes out and then three months later, episode two with no explanation. So we kind of hold these back a little bit. So we're, we're recording. It's it's early in the football season and your bears are looking pretty good huh got uh, trubisky at quarterback your steamrolling teams amazing amazing i kind of feel like the 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 fans have kind of that tim tebow thing going where they don't like their star quarterback they they uh they look at how terrible he's doing and they they think it's doom even though the team's doing well oh he's gonna bring them glory. you just know it I just, I think back to how he uh, pulled out that victory against the Lions, and I think he's got kind of some magic going on this season. Oh, yeah. We'll check back in on that later episodes and uh, see how, you know, see how it's doing. But, I mean, I I, I think good things are coming. Yeah. I I just hope... The Lions coaching staff is looking pretty solid this year, too. I was afraid they might, something might happen. They may have to be changed out. But <laughs> I have a feeling they're gonna. This is a dynasty. So they're gonna. Be I don't know. They 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 blew they blew that uh, they blew that game to the Bears. That was you know what two playoff caliber teams. That's what I gotta say. And mm-hmm. the bounces <laughs> went the Bears' way. Yeah. But you know what? And they they play again later. So that's the thing about division rivals, right? And they both still are gonna be playing Green Bay. So, you know, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, those are important. Those will be important. Anyway, so this is a podcast for Douglas Stank. It's a very real band, and we are the members of the band. My name is Nathan. Hey, and this is Henry. We okay, are that was... two real members. Anyways, we are, for these, uh, this, to begin our podcast, we're going through each of the tracks that we've released. We've Now we've, we've had, uh, I think we're getting ready for our uh, second release, but... We're going back to our first release, and uh, we can discuss each song, how it came together, what inspired it. So peek behind the curtain of this musical empire. Empires yeah. have curtains, right? Oh, sure. You know, we're going to look inside the sausage. Or maybe it's a... Uh... You, don't, you don't want to see the inside of a sausage. You don't want to know how it's made. Maybe you can look at the inside as long as you don't know how it's made. Is that, is yeah. that how it goes? <laughs> Yeah, right, exactly. You, you can look, um, you don't want to know how the baseball is made. You, know, you can look inside the sausage. All right, right the so song uh, that, if we were going in order, track two is titled, She Turned Left Out of Mire. Turn okay, so Left here, Out of Mire. Of course, a lot of these tracks, the, one of the themes you'll see is Nathan 
is the inspiration for these tracks. He's a bit, uh, in a good way, Trent Reznoring it a bit, and then I will pop in sometimes. Um, Don't sell yourself short. No, I mean, it, it's been really uh, something to watch the creative process flow with him, but we need to know the inspiration of this track. Meyer we'll talk about it in a little bit. Oh, we really should dive right into that now. Meyer, right. in the title, I don't know if this... If our little song is going to uh, offend some corporate lawyers, Meyer is a store chain. Did you, you grew up in a different area than I, did you have Meyers around when you were growing up? No, only when I was, you know, those rough intoxicated days of college, there, were, there was a Meyer. That's where oh, I there first was. came from the Meyer. Oh, yeah. Champaign, Illinois has a Meyer. Nice there one. you go. I didn't know. I had no idea. Champaign, Urbana. Yes. <laughs> was that who what was the stripper? No, the, the cross dresser Urbana Champagne. <laughs> oh yeah, they they well we don't want to do any cross marketing for uh what kind of wipes? Uh uh Hawthorne wipes. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, Meyer How would you describe a Meyer store? I, I I've been around them since you know, since uh uh our family moved back to uh, Michigan when I was very young. They, they, uh, the store started in Michigan. But uh, how would you describe a Meyer? Oh, God. It, it's super. It truly is. And, you know, the idea of a super center was pioneered by Meyer, according to my sources. According to your sources. Well, is this from Wikipedia? <laughs> some of it is Wikipedia. Or, or Storepedia? Yeah, it's like, Storepedia. To me, I think people, if you haven't seen a Meyer, uh, you won't quite understand because you'll want to compare it to another store. Like you'll want to say, "Oh, it's like a it's like a Walmart," or "Or well, it's grocery store, so it's like a super whatever version of Walmart has a grocery." I, I actually never go to Walmart because I've always had Meyer, and only when I was older, when my store shopping ways were already set in stone, did uh, did I ever live near a Walmart? And then it's like, "Ew, that's dirty." I'm not going to Walmart. Meyer is different though. Meyer like it it's kind of because of competition with Walmart, it's kind of less different now than it used to be, but it really used to just sell everything. Like absolutely everything. Like a full grocery store with, you know, all, you know, fresh food, frozen meat counter, deli, everything, and then also they sell everything else in the world. Like yeah. oh, yeah, they kind of they kind of cut back because it used to be they'd have a much bigger hardware section and they have a much bigger car part section but i can understand they kind of trimmed the fat a little bit in competition with these other stores to to kind of probably focus on uh the most profitable parts of the store the store used to have a lot more uh like duplicate things like you know how if you were at a grocery store, you'd expect to see certain items in an aisle that you might also find at a hardware store. So they used to just stock the same thing in multiple parts of the store because of that. Because you'd find you would find it in both places of the store. You'd find it in the grocery area. You'd find it in the hardware area. Oh yeah, redundant. Uh, it's kind yeah. of a redundant plan. I know when I, when uh, when I was in college, that's where we would hang out at like two a.m. Stores open twenty four hours, so we. We'd go in there, you know, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. We'd uh, pull out some 
some lawn furniture in the lawn furniture aisle. We'd lay down and uh, just sort of hang out. They like A lot of the Myers at the time had McDonald's inside. That would also be 24 hours. You'd go get some food, go sit in the uh, lawn furniture aisle, hang oh, out. Man. You were spoiled. We never had the McDonald's. Although, I will tell you, like let's say it's 2 in the morning. Let's say you're hanging out with the Sino-Polish uh, Cultural Club. And you, let's say you might need dill pickles because you have to chase vodka with pickles at 2 in the morning. That's where you go. You go to Meyer. You're, you're already maybe... Oh, I see. The, drive, so you're the a Cultural Club, they didn't meet in the Meyer. They didn't meet in the mire, but they made sure as heck to get to the mire or yeah. the cemetery, <laughs> depending on who was organizing it. Because half the time, after you hit mire, you got the um, the the Sino part of the Sino Pole Cultural Club. You know, bridging bridging tensions, bridging gaps. They love all their folk songs, and they're all in a minor chord, and they're all meant to be played in a cemetery. If you've ever heard any Russian folk songs. You will, they're meant for a cemetery and they're all in a minor chord and they're all either about how you died or you're going to die soon. Makes sense. Yeah. And so you would hit the mire because the mire is, uh, you know, also you'd want to stew sometimes, like an actual beef stew. Not stew about the ideas, but you get a beef stew. You get a stew going. Yeah, you get a stew going and then you do the vodka and then you chase it with the pickles. Where else are you going to find stew and pickles? at the same time and be able to play when you're slightly intoxicated with like the bouncy balls and then get kicked out of the store you know that's kind of a typical theme college kids love to get kicked out of Meyer. oh they get the bouncy yeah the balls you, you get those balls everywhere yeah we would that, you, uh, you get the, balls. Yeah. the only trouble about being at Meyer at like 2 or 3 a.m is if it's the day they're doing the floor buffer and they get it all waxed and it becomes a little dangerous yeah exactly i mean that's a something you have to think about you gotta you gotta plan strategically you gotta know the day of the week that happens all right. that's why they're 24 hours i mean they, there's a nice crap that sometimes you end up in the ball pit you know you don't take the balls out you just go in there with the balls and i'm not all sure right. which way is the quicker way to get kicked out okay so we have this song she turned left out of my now this it was originally inspired from an actual I don't know if you would call it story or conversation or awkward passive-aggressive argument, but let me play a clip that's kind of the heart of the inspiration of the song. Uh, uh, and she uh, we'll turned go left out of my and right into my heart. She turned left out of my baby. Didn't use the traffic light. All right, so in the song I sing, she turned left out of Meyer and right into my heart. So this was inspired because uh, I was years ago going to a family Christmas party. Not my family, but my date's family. And we got there a little bit late because we had to drive a, a long distance. And we walk in, and uh, the people of her generation, were they're all hanging out in a basement. As we walk in, her cousin and his wife, now ex-wife, I might point out, were finishing attempting to tell a story. But it was like he would tell it, but then she would cut in and correct him for all the mistakes <laughs> he made in telling the story. The gist of the story was she hated the fact 
that he attempted to turn left out of Meyer parking lot, even though she told him not to. That is that you might say, well, what that, what else? What else? No, no, that, that was, that's not really a story, is it? Except the hidden part of the story is she thinks he's a total moron because otherwise, why would they elaborately tell this story for, they spent 15 minutes and the entire story was she told him not to turn left out of Meyer, and then he attempted to turn left out of Meyer. Now, Myers, they're a big store, so they have a big parking lot, and sometimes it'll be on a busy road, and some of the exits will not have a stoplight, and some will, and then if you chance it, you go to one of the exits that doesn't have a stoplight, turning left is a disaster. It's a, it's, you sit there, and you wait forever for the traffic to clear, and then you think the traffic's clearing, but now someone from the main road is turning left, and you know they got the right of way, and then you're waiting another 10 minutes. No. That was it. That was it. That was. They are now not married. They're divorced. I might have started there, but the 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 mantra for the story was she kept saying, "You don't turn left out of Meyer. You don't turn left out of Meyer." She said it over and over again. It was like I don't. I don't know how someone would do this to somebody they supposedly love. Now, now wait a minute, though. But when I hear that song lyric, what I'm hearing now is the quintessential love story. You know, it's like. They met that way, right? He turned left and right in, right into her, right? That's that's what you've done. Yeah, for years after that, that was just a joke all the time. If we were at Meyer and we'd be leaving, we just yell at each other, "Don't turn left out of Meyer!" I can't believe you're turning left out of Meyer. For years and years later, and then we started writing songs, and it was in my head. She turned left out of Meyer. And right into my heart, I thought, boy, would that be a stupid, I mean, a great song, like a blues song. That was the entire inspiration was taking that quote from that story and turning it into a a blues song. She turned left out of Meyer and right into my heart. You know, that does capture a lot, especially with the idea that now they're divorced. I mean, that does capture kind of the blues side of it, you know? I suppose if we ever... um we're doing it live. We could throw in like a, but now she's done gone or something bluesy at the end to kind of indicate. <laughs> well, you know. Oh, uh, I should bleep out everything that was pertinent. No, I didn't actually give any details yeah, yeah, sure about the, bleep, the people. Bleep out any of the pertinent. The fact that they that they. Had I don't. I, I couldn't. I. I. I don't know how any like if anybody was there at this party. There's how do you forget that? How do you forget? That for 15 minutes, someone was telling a story about how their spouse is an idiot for trying to turn left out of a parking lot. Like, (laughs) it's a ridiculous thing to do. Like, it doesn't make you look good at all. Like, how do you look good berating your spouse or something so trivial? (laughs) (laughs) So, on the one hand, why, you know, oh, we're telling the story and then maybe some of these people might listen to the podcast – are they really going to remember? But how could you forget? It's a cautionary tale, you know? Like, I kind of want to sell t-shirts that I was there when she told the turning left there out of Meyer story. It's cautionary on a couple levels. Number one, you don't want to go left on the Meyer. But number two, you're going to be, you know, an idiot and divorced if you try that, too. You're going to be branded an idiot. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I'm saying it, you know, I'm not saying whether anybody was an idiot in the story. It's just, you know, sometimes you yeah. feel like rolling the what? dice. You know, what was really so important that they had to rush home to true. anyways, you but know? And again, it's perception is reality. So the way she was telling it, she made him look like an idiot, even if he wasn't. Right. That's the part that's like, man, why would you be berating your spouse? Like, you are establishing this pattern. Whether or not other people have preconceived notions about how they think about him, like, why are, why are you trying to establish that as his brand? The guy who turns oh, exactly. left out of mind. Yeah. You know, once that's out there, how do you bottle that? Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it, 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 you know, it's remarkable, but it's also mundane. So it's kind of bleeding into both. The song, though, really captures that moment and lets you experience it. <laughs> the lyrics do. So that line that I sang, that was the original idea of the song. That, but that was only 15 seconds long. So I had to sit down and come up with, uh, you know, a blues song to play behind it or whatever. And I, I'll be honest, I'm not really even that fond of the blues. <laughs> I don't know. How do you feel? Are, are you an old blues man? Oh, man. Yeah, some of the old blues, yeah, sure. You know, if you're in a, the right mood, you can hear some Muddy Waters. And come on. What about, like... Um, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, some of the solos. You got to give it to the guy. Um, but other, you know, Texas mm. blues, you got different blues. You got Chicago blues. I grew up in the Chicago I, area, so come on. Got to have a little love for the Chicago blues. Yeah. Buddy Guy is still out. No, no, Buddy Guy might have died. <laughs> oh, crap. I, I have no That's idea. That's how much you love the blues. <laughs> and I guess I love the blues. Yeah, you know, you 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 loud uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and if anybody's ever seen a guitar magazine, they know the name Stevie Ray Vaughan. But like, I I don't think I've ever heard any of his music. Oh, so. you're kidding! <laughs> yeah, you've seen the tabs. <laughs> not, I'm not kidding. You know, I, I grew up listening to uh, punk rock and metal. What about his brother and, in uh, the Fabulous Thunderbirds? <laughs> okay, <laughs> is that the is that the puppet show? No, yeah. <laughs> Now when you see them at the state fair, they might be a puppet show. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So uh, the next clip we're going to play is the chord pattern that uh, I found to go along with this. That says blues. That does say blues. Starts out. I, I did it on a, on a piano. Because I, uh, that's how I write music better. I don't know if we covered that in a previous podcast. I think we may have talked a little bit about that. Anyways, it, I don't know if that classifies as a particular uh, genre of blues or regional sort of thing. I don't, I don't know. What do you think? You think it's, you think it's more like Chicago or Memphis or, uh, it's probably or, or something? More, more Chicago. I think it's kind right. shuffle. You know. Yeah. I may be wrong, but I really think, yeah, it's got that, uh, the typical blues shuffle, then the progression, so you gotta give, give that some... Oh, it progresses. Yeah. It, it's it's progressing like soup. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, that's the, that's the bass, that's not the bass, but that's the rhythm that you yeah. established. 
that's the pattern. That's that pattern. Okay. Then you know you got to fill out the uh, the whole song. So I added uh, some uh, rookie, rickety old organ. You know, I'm always trying to hunt for that perfect uh, '60s organ sound, and I always fail. But did you get did you get like a rock? Did you drag a Roland into your uh, space? Or a Hammond, I should say, a Hammond. They should say Hammond. I have two Roland <laughs> uh, <right>. keyboards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, well, I'm always f trying to find the right soft synths to sound the most like it, or Wurlitzers, or or whatever. And then being dissatisfied, and then slapping on like a um, chorus pedals or or other sort of effects. Now, as uh, an aside, I think they may have cracked that code with a. a with a with like um, a soft synth that you found, where they added in some of the chaos of the organ, right of the whirling speaker. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Some of them are better. Just uh, they're never quite. What? Anyways, let's play the clip and let everyone else judge. Yeah, this one's got like a wah effect too. I think. Mm -hmm. That added on to it. Well, that instantly, I think, brings it out of, of course, like the traditional blues and brings it more into like the uh, more modern blues sound. So you're kind of tapping into that modern blues vein. A little modern being the 60s, not the 30s, you know? Well, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm still uh, 50 years ago. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can live up to the 1930s. It, it, it has more of that 60s kind of vibe. Well, you know, I think of like uh, when Ray Charles is in the Blues Brothers movie and he sits down on that uh, thing and starts playing. Like that kind of sound. But like not exactly like that, but... Yeah, it's almost a little bit gospel, a little bit blues kind of... Um, yeah, it's so many... The thing is, so many uh, synth sounds that you find are a little too like 80s... Oh, yeah. Kind of synthy. I don't want that. I don't want... The thing is, I was just thinking, like, here's, here's a song, a big hit song, that I can't stand because of their synth choice. And that is Tina Turner's What's Love Got to Do With It? Because it has a horrible synth harmonica <laughs> in the middle of it, like a solo with it. And, it. and when it plays on Spotify on my TV, it'll do like a pop-up video kind of thing where it'll show the lyrics and they'll talk about the making of it and they like feel the need to tell me how they decided to that they, it says it's not a real harmonica that's like no kidding it's like the fakest sounding thing ever <laughs> and like i'm not against electronic music at all i'm just against terrible s simulations like you're trying to fool me if something's not like a real sound i want it to be like outrageously fake or something mm -hmm. Or whatever. Like, I, it, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, I've used some sounds and songs, and maybe you'll hear in the future that, like, well, that's a synth that or that. And, you know, okay, so I don't have, like, a brass band to play pull in here and record things. I think uh, I'm I'm beating that synth harmonica. Uh, but, hey, that's a problem. Synth saxophone, too, whenever that pops up, that's an abomination. Yeah, yeah. In the 80s, the bad synth saxophone. Like, why? Just don't bother. Yeah, you figure it can't cost much to get a real saxophone player, and there's, like, a too many of them anyways, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Like, come on. So yeah, I, right. That's a big. That is a problem with the '80s music, '80s pop. Yeah. So, th- for this song, we actually got you in the studio, and you laid uh, down yeah. the drums for this song. Yes, that was an experience. Yeah, and that was that was good because I don't. This song works so much better with real drums versus uh, me programming some, you know, synth. I, I got some good synth drums that are like, you know, they're not even fake drums. They're they're real samples of drums, and they sound real nice. But I think like the sort of like real feel of playing, uh, it takes a master like you. <laughs> All right, so let me. Uh, you're right, it's all about feel, and then sometimes you can t- find where I don't feel. You get the human side of it, where I'm not <laughs> feeling at the same time as the music. All right, let me let me pull that clip. I just a second. It's the blues. All right, now this is your actual drum playing, with our limitations on how good we are at setting up the microphones and all that. Did you listen? You listen to both of these? Oh yeah. Oh, you can. It's really striking how the drums really come alive when you do the drum replacer. Yeah, because uh, you're spoiling that the next clip will feature the same drumming, only using some of our studio technology to do a drum replacer. Now, we just spent a lot of time talking about how good real drums sound, and now we're talking about using some technology. But this is actually something that's quite cool, so to speak. Because we can take your actual drum performance and make it sound better, not because you did something wrong playing the drums, but because maybe we're not very good at setting up the microphones or and uh, and all that, and we could adapt your performance and make it set up as though you were playing skillfully assembled drums with microphones placed in the right area, and so all the drum playing that you did will trigger the samples. Of real drums and it'll, it'll uh, fill in and we can mix it in and find a good balance so let me play that clip of what this sounds like on the finished song i think the the most noticeable difference is the snare drum because i don't know i don't know how you feel about this on that first clip you're not even really playing the snare you're kind of hitting the rims but oh, yeah, I have re- I've replaced that with a snare. <laughs> yeah, so that's probably a good choice. She was all an artistic choice, so maybe that was a misguided. Uh, it's interesting because it was your artistic choice, and then uh, as a producer, I I uh, <laughs> kind of vetoed that choice and put in that uh, that snare drum sound. But it sound I think it sounds better in the context of the song. I think. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Because exactly. we kind of got a sparse sound song, anyways, in the, which is not a knock on the song at all. No, it's meant to be that way. I mean, that's what we're going for. And you're right; it serves the song. So that's hey, any choices like that that serve the song, you do it. You make the hard decisions. That's why you're wearing that hat. Were you cursing me? You heard you heard the the demo, or as I'm mixing it in versions, and you're cursing me. How dare he? <laughs> I was just thankful I wasn't replaced with synth drums. I was still kind of, but but at least it was just the sound that was replaced. That's good. No, it's still your performance. You, like I yeah. said, you know, you're you're uh, you're much better at drumming than I am, and so 
if if you know if you were around to drum, that would be preferable. And uh, short of that, I'm just going to use a drum machine or, or soft synth drums. I mean, that's just. Although I did get a new kick pedal. Oh, nice. Okay. What kind of kick pedal? Oh, what are you asking for? A brand one foot. Okay. Like it would have been cool to get a double kick pedal, but they're they're pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now I have two single foot ones. They don't really line up well next to each other. But the other one was kind of broken. That's why I had to get a new one. So uh, like, maybe maybe uh, some of the mu music in the future, people, you you know, you know, be be sure to look out for that. Keep your ear for the new kick pedal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. You know, it's uh. Well, and and one thing is though too tuning the drums. I don't know that I've see. I'm not good at tuning drums. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. I don't know if we've ever quite tuned them. So maybe the drum replacer serves a few purposes too. That's true too. I I uh, yeah no I've I've never tuned a drum. I like they talk about it. I don't I don't understand what it's for. But I mean it's for tuning the drum. But I don't like what are they supposed to play particular notes? Yeah. Do you think Ringo ever knows if he's out of tune? Oh. That's why he's got a staff. That's true. He probably hasn't been out of tune since he's had like roadies. Seriously, and, uh, though, if Paul McCartney dies, will Ringo tour as the Beatles? Like he'll bring in like his <laughs> all-star band. They'll just call him the Beatles. <laughs> he's just waiting. You think? Who's more likely to do that, Ringo or Paul McCartney? Oh man, uh, that's that's such a tough tough call. I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling Paul McCartney would tour as the Beatles. Like, just the singular. If mm. you were the only one left? No, but then you fill out, you get, and not even like one of these cheesy things where like, you know, people used to be like, oh, you know, before uh, George Harrison died, and they'd be like, oh, they should get Julian Lennon to, to fill in. Like, not, you know, no, just filled like from stiffs. You know, just, just some, uh, some guys from like a, a local uh, cover band. Well, you know, there are tons of tribute bands that even look like the Beatles. Then you just you pay them. You pay them minimum wage. Yeah. Paul McCartney so you, gets richer. You have your choice of like mop top Paul. You have choice seventies coked out Paul. You have choice of like eighties mullet Paul. I mean, you pick your Paul, and there's a guy who looks just like him covering him. Those those tribute bands, and one of them is like an Asian Paul. Oh yeah, see there you go. You can pick. You have every shade of Paul, fifty shades of Paul, available to you. It's a it's a. So it's should a, that be uh, our next album? <laughs> oh man that sounds like it should be huh how many shades of Paul I got a uh, what do I got I got one making of clip left before we can play the song and that is uh, the the blues guitar solo once again you uh, declined <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to supply the uh, soulful oh. blues solo, and so uh, <laughs> I uh, I pulled out a chart to tell me uh, what proper minor pentatonic scale to play off of, and I uh, I supplied the uh, blues guitar. Hey, it's a matter of equipment. It's been a matter of equipment and and uh, uh, it's mostly equipment time. You have and hands, right? <laughs> I do have the hands. That's the thing. Oh man. And All right, let me be, let me play the clip. Yeah. Well, I can never say I like well, to keep it. So here we're playing it. it. You're just gonna hear it by itself, so I don't think it's really gonna. 
stand out the way it should. But here, it's, it sounds all bluesy and stuff, right? What is this? Uh, is this Chicago blues again? <laughs> That's a good question. That might be more. Uh, I don't know if it's southern blues. Never, never would have uh, played like this in my old punk rock days. <laughs> the thing about punk rock is there were no solos. That's why I, I, one of the reasons I don't. I'm not That's like what. That's why I was a punk rocker. Because <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I'm not gonna, I don't want to practice long enough to, to wanted, do a solo. Or if you wanted to solo, you would do a Neil Young and just like bend one note like 20, you know? That's, that's all you need in punk, come on. Oh my gosh, I just recently heard the greatest Neil Young album ever. Was it uh, Trans Am? Yeah, it was Trans, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Trans, I knew it. Trans, that is, <laughs> oh my God, it was on another podcast. Oh man! It was the greatest. Did you think of that when you wrote "This Is for the Robots"? No, no, I was oh. I wrote that long time ago. I only oh, heard this dear. podcast a few weeks ago. And oh man, I'm surprised. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not a Neil Young fan at all. And then they played it, and he's he's talking about how, oh well, he bought a vocoder because his son has uh, cystic fibrosis, and it and has real trouble, you know being able to communicate and everything so they bought and so use this technology in the music and you're like dang and he and, and he's like being interviewed at the time when he's promoting it and he's like yeah you know because it's like 1983 or something he's like oh i really like uh the human league and <laughs> he's like naming all these bands <laughs> he's like <laughs> so i don't really listen to california soft rock except for me so <laughs> yeah Oh my gosh, that album is, and it was one of the ones that I think he wrote to to like satisfy his record deal because he hated his record deal, so he didn't want them to like keep capitalizing on him. Well, so he tried to do the weirdest things possible. Like he did that album, and then they wanted him to be pop, so he did the most annoying pop song ever. Well, they said a different album. They according to this podcast, they were saying it was actually a new record contract with Geffen Records. He got yeah. off his previous one that he didn't like. And they told him he had artistic freedom. And, uh, well, you know, they, they, they said it sold a certain number of records. They said after that, they went to him and said they wanted a rock album. And then he delivered a rockabilly album. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. The cheesiest kind of rockabilly. But no, he had, you know, they played the first track off Trans and it like sounds like a Neil Young song and you're like, Oh, okay, whatever. And, and then like in the podcast, the podcast is called uh bizarre album. It's really good. Oh, okay. Nice. I didn't check this to out. plug them. Yeah. And so the first song is like a standard, whatever Neil Young song. And then, and it's like, Oh, you probably wonder why this is on bizarre albums. Well, let's listen to the rest of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so great. It's so oh, great. It, it could have been on like the blade runner sound. Maybe. And they only, only on the podcast. They only play clips in the podcast, and, but it like made me go to Spotify and find it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so any uh, final thoughts before we uh, allow our audience, such as it is, to uh, hear our our song? I don't. Know, what do you, What do you think of the song? Do you think it worked? Yeah, ultimately it does work. It's a good blues song. You know, uh, it, it did capture the uh, moment, but it's an interesting. It's a blues song, but it's a love song, too. You don't usually get your blues to have that love song element. You know, she turned into my heart. Nothing bad happens to her, I don't think, right, as the song progresses. Well, the, the, the two of them, they, they crash into each other's cars, but then they yeah. uh, 
they end up going into the mire to uh, to get some things and then uh, go home together. So I don't know. If, I don't know if that's love as much as. Uh, <laughs> and one something. of them should have died after being in the mire due to complications for it to be a true blue song. This is uh, see, like see, thing. where were you? Like I said, I'm not really that knowledgeable about the blues. Is it really like an ironclad? See, my knowledge of the blues comes from that scene in uh, Adventures in Babysitting. But that was Buddy Guy's Club, wasn't that? I think it uh, uh, there was some guy oh, man, there. We need, we need fact checkers. We really need fact checkers on this podcast. Somebody could turn to, hey, Matt. We could edit it in later. Yeah, we'll have to edit in that fact later, like an addendum or something. I feel like there were scenes like that in multiple 80s movies, but that's the one. Right there. They 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 are escaping from the bad guys. They act, they're in an alley. They uh, duck into a door, and it turns out it takes them right on stage in a blues performance, and they are required by blues law to sing lyrics to the blues jam that's going on right at that moment. And somehow it made sense. It's uh, the magic of the blues. <laughs> More than anything. You can write a song, but usually, I mean, there has to be a tragic end. I mean, that's the blues. You know, you sing a few choruses, maybe you got married, maybe this and this happened, but then there was a tragic fire. And this you song, know, I was just having fun writing lyrics about Meyer, really. Yeah. And, and, and maybe we didn't give enough Meyer love out there. Now, if you had to pick your favorite Meyer, do you have a favorite Meyer? Well... I mean, there's one not far from where I live that I am at, like, three times a day. Yeah. Well, there you go. Like, that literally. I mean, the there are other life. ones that are bigger or whatever, but I don't know. If you could if you could choose any Meyer, would you still choose that one? Sure. I don't know. You know, it's funny because I, I don't know about you if you ever get self-conscious like this when you, like, you go to a place uh, like Meyer, and you know they got like uh, some products they sell have security tags on them that you might you know they might want to prevent you from stealing something, and uh, and so sometimes they go there and I'm leaving and I'm like oh well, you know if the tag goes off are they gonna what are they gonna think I stole or whatever because like probably every article I'm clothing and I'm wearing I probably bought there. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. are they gonna think he's you know he stole those shorts or something those shoes. So I go yeah. there, I wait until my the shoes I like are on uh, like double clearance, and because uh, I like well, size 12 feet, which I don't think is ex- is extraordinarily big, but you go to a store and uh, they don't have that many, and then they'll find a way to the clearance rack because no one else is buying them, and then I get them for nine dollars. There you go. There, that is some magic of Meyer too. We're talking about the magic of the blues. Meyer has some magic too. Sometimes you can find the lick the liquor gift sets. Oh yeah. After the holidays. Yes. Uh, somebody has laid down the law in my life and said we don't have enough room for any more of the rocks glasses or the shooters. We can no, no longer go out of your way to get the gift sets. I think last year the only one I got uh, is, is a uh, string of light up liquor bottle like Christmas lights, but they're liquor bottles. Oh man. Okay. Oh, and that was a gift set. Hey, that's pretty handy. Spirits of the holidays. That's good. Now, now, if you had to pick a favorite Meyer of the Meyer family, who's your favorite Meyer? If you had to do a Meyer draft, who comes out on top? Well, Fred Meyer used to save his customers a penny by driving three miles to pick up peanut butter, according to there commercials. Yeah. So, 
And, and you, you know, it, sometimes it, I don't think Meyer's over the top like Walmart, where like they make a big deal about their owner and like act like he's some sort of genius. But I, you will occasionally see the uh, biography of Fred Meyer on sale at the yes. magazine Rocket yes. Meyer. Magazine yes. <laughs> I was going to bring that up because I think he has a biography. Of course, <laughs> Hendrick Meyer, the the main founder of Meyer Thrift, has a biography. You all can check it out. Online, I think it's available secondhand, although it's surprisingly expensive, like $30 for a copy of... Oh, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, of Hendrick. (laughs) It was like, the title was like, The Life of Hendrick Meyer, Colin Thrifty Times of Hendrick Meyer. The store store used to be called Meyer Thrifty Acres. Emphasize the money you're saving and the vastness of the store. Oh, exactly. And then in the 60s, I think Fred was the one who cultivated it. Frederick Meyer. And then his son, Hank Meyer, who is, of course, named for Hendrick, is, like, running the show now. Uh, All Michigan-based, you know, bringing money into the uh, Michigan economy. Now, there is something slightly controversial that I read in the Meyer book. I don't know if you've ever done a take or if you want to know, comment on the idea that it was, I think, Hank Meyer, on behalf of Fred Meyer, bought the ladder that got to the roof of the Saigon Embassy in Vietnam, like in the 90s. He had some idea that it symbolized freedom. Like he brought it back. Yeah, he literally brought it back. And it might be in the Ford Presidential Museum. I don't know if it's on display. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, the Gerald Ford Ford Museum, like in uh, Grand Rapids or something? No, that, oh yeah, well, you exactly. said four yeah, in- because because uh, Meyer is kind of from really originally from like the that area, Michigan, Grand Rapids. Yeah, exactly. So I think it is in the Ford Museum. Although Kissinger got mad at him that he bought it and tried to bring it back. Why? Because he was going to use it to paint his house. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was something about he didn't like the symbolism of it. He thought it just represented failure, whereas. You know, Fred Meyer wanted to, or I don't know if it was Fred, I thought it was Fred, but maybe I'm wrong, wanted to symbolize freedom that, you know, many people went to the rooftops when the U.S. was pulling out of Vietnam to escape Vietnam. I don't think I really value Henry Kissinger's opinions, really. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I hope it's not a hot take. I wasn't trying to introduce... Forget that guy. I'm just saying... (laughs) Kissinger bad is probably not a hot take. I, I couldn't even tell you. Like, what? What do I know? I'm not. Uh, not a. I'm not a boomer. I don't have like strong opinions about political figures from 50 years ago. Yeah. Oh man, I hope we don't get some hate mail for this. You, you watch like. Uh, here's what you know about Kissinger. If you watch some of the Pink Panther movies, they got someone impersonating him. Like, okay, oh, yeah. there's a guy, yeah. <laughs> and he it's did really something. Funny. I don't know. I think that, I think people have had a lot of fun impersonating him over the years, like Nixon. You know, they're both very impersonable. Oh yeah, like uh, yeah. I, there's some other movies where people are impersonating him or whatever. Yeah, and the, like, both of them usually together because they'll talk with each other. Because they had that movie where uh, uh, the guy who played Batman plays Dick Cheney, which like we couldn't even get all the way through that movie. It's just very silly, and. Oh. Oh yeah, and then they they get through. Uh, they get, like Cheney worked in the Nixon White House, but like was kind of opposed to Ki- to Kissinger. And then you like watch that movie, and the movie I don't know what. Like the point of the movie is to try to trash Cheney as being some sort of 
maniacal whatever, which which is like a premise I'm really not that impressed or interested in. So it's hard to get through the movie because it's like because they want to act like he's this oh he's secretly running the country behind the scenes, but like at all times he actually appears appears quite uh, reasonable and just <laughs> happens to not have any like real personality skills so he, he himself couldn't get elected president but like you know like what are what are people complaining about what's his maniacal plan because because like you think of the perspective of the people who made the movie like for instance he's has a, a you know he has a lesbian daughter and he wasn't comfortable with being opposed to gay marriage uh the way it was an issue back then and so you're like oh is that what the hollywood uh, liberals are complaining about dick cheney not on board against gay marriage no they're not complaining about that what do they think is so maniacal because then they show him in the nixon white house being the guy who doesn't want endless war and stuff ah okay oh were they trying to though juxtapose that then with like oh, all of a sudden i don't know want- the movie was hard because like then yeah, the movie. I don't. This isn't about reviewing that movie because, like, oh, I don't. No, even, no. I can't even think of the title of it. It was just very like because like so much of it was fantastical. Like, and then we we only saw it like years later. I don't know when it was released. That it wasn't released Damn. right during that presidency. But like any number of years later, you're like, well, this is boring and uninteresting. Yeah, as far as relevance, it doesn't. It's not relevant at all anymore. Like, yeah. like really, is that what people are like? Oh man. I'm glad we don't have Dick Cheney around and we got a stable man in the White House. Is that what people are saying in uh, 2020? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, and everything is relative. You know, those were the good old days with Bush and Cheney, frankly. You know? Yeah, that's the, that's the clip we'll lead off the podcast with, you saying that. <laughs> we found the cold open. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, should, okay. So I guess we what, should close up. I think yeah. I covered, but you, ne- you never you never said on a Meyer, but I would probably say myself, Hank Meyer, because he's doing a good job now. Is number one on my draft. Oh, I, I said Fred. I said Fred Meyer. Oh, Fred, you, you're going Fred. Okay. That's yeah, I'm going Fred. Fred. Okay. Interesting. Neither of us took the founder. That the Hendrik. That's, Heinrich. You know, yeah, Heinrich. Well, he's dead. <laughs> is Fred dead? <laughs> I don't know. You're the one who brought this up. <laughs> Is that the next song we had to write? Hey, Curtis Mayfield already beat us to it. Come on, Superfly soundtrack. They <laughs> don't have it Is all it memorized. It might be Freddie's dead. And I didn't mean to kill Fred Meyer for the record if he's still alive. All right, let's let's uh, let's play the song. Uh, and then uh, that'll be the end of this episode. Uh be sure to subscribe <laughs> to this podcast. Go. Yeah. If you're interested in hearing more about, uh, you know, late 80s to 2000s politics, make sure you subscribe. Oh, no, I wait a don't, minute. Oh, don't worry about that. We're not going to. Uh... <laughs> okay. Here, we'll play the song. Let's play the song. Play it live. This song is from the before time. Before the corona. It was an innocent time when we didn't keep our social distance. The stores had things to sell. It used to be hard to get in and out of the parking lot on account of the hustle and bustle. Those older among us think back, listen, and 
now sing. The band will play whenever you're ready. She turned left out of my ear and right into my heart. She turned left out of my ear, didn't use the traffic light. She waited, waited, waited. She pulled out and hit my car. in store.